What do you think God feels about you? Now, those of you who know me pretty well know that this is one of my favorite questions, especially if it's in like a one-on-one like pastoral counseling session. What do you think God feels about you? Now, the reason why it ends up being such an important question is so often um, you know, the, the mental images that come to mind for us, for God, end up being so impactful for, for not only how we see God, but ultimately how we see ourselves. Because you know, very often what we, what we find ourselves uh, responding with is really kind of how we feel about ourselves that now we've projected onto God. So I can think of all the times when I've had a conversation with someone. How do you think God feels about you? And they would say, I think he is very disappointed in me. Or I think God thought I had a lot of potential, but I've really let him down. I think God is angry with me. Or all these things wouldn't have happened in my life. We have all these, we have these pictures. We have these mental pictures of God that we project onto him. That's why our metaphor, our metaphors for who God is ends up being really, really important. Now, of course, the, the bigger picture of God is God's beyond any, any human description. Here's this, you know, the, the supreme relationship that exists outside of space and time that is all-powerful, that is all-knowing, that is more loving than we could ever imagine, who, who created all things and who holds and sustains all things. But it's, that's a little hard to get our heads around. You know? So we, we need these metaphors to help us like, understand it better. Of course, the Old Testament, you think of all the, the ways people talked about God. God is my rock. True. He's my fortress. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is a consuming fire. You know, all, the, all of these metaphors, and all of them are, all of them are true. And, and Jesus affirmed them. But today we're going to look at, if anything, this is the metaphor that Jesus leaned on the most in his ministry. I mean, it does show up in the Old Testament, but only about 15 times. And yet for Jesus, this becomes the dominant, the dominant lens for seeing God. This idea of God as the perfect Father. Now we're in a series called Kingdom Parables where we are, we're looking at some of the, the parables of the kingdom of God that we find in the book of Luke. The parables, of course, these are make-believe stories, but they're incredibly powerful. This is fiction that actually helps us to see the world more clearly. It's fiction that helps to, to if, you, if you would, kind of reveal all of the fiction that exists in our worldview. It helps us to see the world increasingly through God's eyes. And as we pick up the story, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So get your Bibles out. That's right. Paper Bibles are awesome. Your digital Bibles are just fine as well. However, however you access God's word. And we're going to be picking things up from verse 11. And those of you who are in one of our, um, our Kingdom Parable small groups this past week, you've already talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin, how God is like a shepherd, who is so concerned for a lost sheep that he will leave the 99 to go looking for that one sheep. And when he finds the sheep, what's he do? 
leaves the 99. When he finds the sheep, what happens? Celebrates. God celebrates when the lost sheep comes home. And, and then the second parable, God is like a woman who, who has lost a very valuable coin. And so she's searching the house to find this coin. And when she finds the coin, what does she do? She celebrates. Now, Jesus is telling this parable because if, if you note in, in chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Jesus is starting to catch some heat from the, from the Pharisees because he's been hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And I realize none of us really like tax collectors either. But the Pharisees, they're, they're looking at the folks that are spending time with Jesus, who Jesus is happily, you know, dining with, associating with, and they're like, these people don't deserve to hang out with you, Jesus. How come you're not telling them off more than you are? Why are you behaving towards them like you are? And so he tells these three stories back to back to start to reframe the metaphor. You're not seeing God correctly. In other words, God's like a shepherd who looks for a lost sheep. God's like a woman who goes look, looking for a, a lost, valuable coin. And when he finds the sheep, when, when she finds the coin, there's celebration. And then tells this story, which is, it's the longest of the, of the parables. Um, it's probably one of the best known. But wow, I, I just, I can't wait to teach it with, and spend some time with it with you today. And, and more than anything, this is, this is what... I, I'm just praying what happened today. Um, I, I'm praying that for somebody today, maybe more than one person, that, that God he, starts to heal your metaphor. Because when, you, when we start to see God more like God actually is, it begins to heal everything else too. Start to heal our relationships with each other, starts to heal our relationship with ourselves. Oftentimes that even results in physical healing because we end up, all these dysfunctions, all the relational, emotional dysfunctions that we carry end up affecting our bodies as well. So my prayer is that God, by the Holy Spirit today, is going to do a really, a really deep work as we look at what it means for God to be our Father. So, so Jesus had just told those two parables and then picking things up in verse 11. So, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to his fields to feed pigs. As he's feeding the pigs, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. So when he came to his senses, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am. I'm starving to death. I will set out. I'll go back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him was filled with compassion and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, <laughs> bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son, how many people here are older siblings? Okay, okay. The older son was out in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, the servant replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, all these years, I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. You, you, you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost. And now he's found. So let's dive into the story together. Okay. So man had two sons. Now, what did the younger son ask of the father? What did he want? Money for inheritance. Now, is it normal to ask your parents for inheritance before they die? No. Would it be insulting to ask your parents for the money before they die? Yes. Now, it is legally 
you know, I mean, it was legal back then, and it's still legal today. And sometimes there are reasons to move your estate to your kids before you pass away. There's, that's a great decision. Fine to do it. But you already see what, what, what's going Dad, my life would be better if you were dead and I had the dough. <laughs> you can understand how that would cause a rift. That's telling you something about the relationship. But the father gives him the money doesn't he? And then where does the son go? Off to a faraway country or a distant land. So it goes off to some other place that doesn't seem to have the same standards as home. Because what happens in Vegas, it stays in Vegas. Or wherever he goes. I mean, because it probably wasn't Vegas. And it's a make-believe story. So he, so he goes... And how do things go for him? Yeah, just kind of, kind of, like, kind of like college, right? You know, you, 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 you do your thing, and then... And, and so how do things end up for this younger son? Terrible. Terrible. So what, what does he find himself doing? Feeding pigs. Feeding pigs. Now, if you are Jewish, how do you feel about pigs? Yeah, pigs were an unclean food. You don't want to be around them. You don't want to eat them. You don't want to have nothing to do with them. They are icky. They are gross. They are unclean. And what is he doing for the pigs? Feeding, Feeding the pigs. And what is he wishing he could eat? Pig food. Right. This is not a good spot. This is not a good spot. And so he finds himself hungry where he's honestly looking at slop and wishing he could eat that. I mean, that's hitting rock bottom. And then then the passage says, he came to his senses. Kind of interesting there. In the Greek, um, the phrase there is, he uh, denotes he, he started to listen to himself. Sometimes our bodies can tell us messages about what's going on even before our conscious minds pick up on what's happening, right? Sometimes you know that you're all anxious about something because you have a racing mind and you can't sleep. Any, any insomniacs out there? Uh, yeah, 2 a.m., I know, I've, I've been there. Or the, or the churning gut, or um, my classic, um, see if anybody else can relate to this, is your tense shoulders. You're like, wow, what? I'm, right? Because you are, on some level, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, like, and your body can tell you something about what's going on that your mind not even, might not even be aware of yet. Well, in this case, his stomach told him something. And he came to his senses. He started listening to himself. He thought, I'm hungry. (laughs) And then he starts crafting a plan to go home. Now, within within the plan that you've heard, and and I'm assuming that most of you know the story, and I hope you have their Bibles open as well. What assumption is he making about his father 
as he's, making, as he's crafting a plan to come home. Where, how does he want to fit into the family tree at this point? He wants to become a servant. So he realizes, I, I've blown sonship. I, I am not, I'm, 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 I'm not going to be a recipient of, like, I've blown the money. I've blown my position in the family. But even servant, even servant, even hired hand is better than what I've got right now. And so what's the speech he crafts up? I've sinned against heaven and against you. Take me back as a servant. What does this tell you about how he is viewing God in this moment? Angry. Angry or hurt. Now, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. But sometimes that's how we see God, too. I've blown it. I know I've blown it. I know I've messed this up. And you're understandably upset with yourself. You're understandably feeling some guilt, maybe even some shame. And we assume that's how God is too. I'm very disappointed with me, therefore God must be very disappointed with me. I'm angry at myself. Therefore, God must be angry with me too. So he's all geared up for that. He knows he's got it coming. He believes he's got it coming. So he starts to make his way home. He's walking home. He's practicing the speech in his mind. He's all poised and ready to grovel. He's all poised and ready to, to find a place in the family that does not include sonship. Knowing that even that would be better than what he has. But while he is still a long ways off, what does the father do? He runs to him. And this is where the story gets really strange if you're hearing it for the first time because a Middle Eastern father never runs but this father does the father sees him and he's filled with there's a word compassion compassion i love the greek word for this we're going to learn the greek greek a little bit of greek today if, if you're new to columbia grove i'm a nerd and we love the bible we love going deep the greek word this is so good okay it's splagdizomai say that with me splagdizomai and you can see me working the word here because it's, it's kind of an automatopoeia word. It is, a, it is a word that sounds like what it means. It's a churning in the gut. Compassion. He had compassion. He had a splagdizomai. It was churning in the gut. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You see a kid run out onto a highway, you feel splagdizomai. You see a picture of somebody, you know, when, when we see some of, the, some of the, the, the human atrocities that are happening around the world, and you, and you see an image on the television or in your, on your phone, and you just go, oh God. We feel Splagdizomai. 
the father saw his son and he felt, Spike did some mine. He felt compassion. The son, the son, the son thought he'd, he'd be, his father would be angry. Understandably so. How did the father actually feel? Compassion. Gut churning compassion. And he ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Then the son gets his speech out. Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me like a hired servant. So the son is projecting all his expectations right back onto God, onto the father, rather. Just like we do. But how does the father actually respond? What does he do? Smarten up! Ah, you've been such a disappointment. It's about time, you idiot. He could have. What did he actually do? Wraps his arms around him, kisses him, and what's he do? My son is lost. And then what's he do? He throws a party. Did, put yourself in the son's position. Did you see that one coming? No. This is very unusual. The son repents. The son realizes he, he, there's nothing he can do to earn the favor of his father. He assumes the father's going to be angry with him. But, but instead, what he receives from the father is compassion and then a party, which is kind of ironic because that's why he left in the first place. He thought, the only way I'm going to get the party is if I go somewhere else. And where was the party all along? It was right back home. The younger son... You know, he, he's going he's gonna to try to pursue meaning through pleasure, meaning through the party, meaning through the experiences. He wants to fill up his Instagram reel, make it just look awesome with all these incredible backgrounds. And where was the party all along? It was back at home. And the very person he thought would, would have harsh words for him Words he knew he deserved. Was the person who had the kindest words for him. Words he didn't deserve. And oftentimes that's where we leave the story. We, but we're only at the halfway mark. Because there's two sons, right? You got the younger son. He's run off. He's done his thing, and he's had his had his rumspringa, and he's done it, and he's blown it, and and everything happened like it like it always happens when you don't do that. And comes back, and he's throwing a party, and 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 who's the other son? The older son. All you firstborns here, you're like super responsible. You feel responsible for everybody and everything all the time. Where's he? He's out in the field. He's out in the field. He starts making his way home. And what does he hear? Keep your Bibles open. What's he hear? Here is music and dancing. And he's like, okay, what's going on? What's happening? I got to tell a little side story. So we took, took a bunch of the kids from the youth group 
uh, down to Tri-Cities uh, on Thursday. There was a Toby Mac concert down there. Okay, so, and, and so some of them, it was one of their first big concerts, and there, there was a lot of manic energy. I'm just saying that. Uh, Sarah Floyd was another adult sponsor. We were counting to 14 constantly. It's like, okay, so, so the concert's just getting ready to start. We're in one of the, you know, the kind of the walkway around the stadium. Some of the kids are like, I want to go see the, I want to go see like the, the vendor booths and the t-shirts and da-da-da. And then the music starts and they're like, <laughs> you know, because you know when a, when a big concert's in the stadium, like hear that boom, boom, boom. You know, like there's the vibration and the bass and the lights and they're like, we're going in, we're going in there now. <laughs> There's something about the music that it, it gets your attention. You're like, I want to be there. So it, get, it gets the older son's attention, and he starts making his way back home. And then he learns what the party's about. What's his response? Yeah. Angry, angry. Why, why is he angry? Just think, why is he angry? Jealousy. Jealousy. And we're going to learn more about what's, uh, what his inner dialogue is and how he understands the Father to be. What? You're throwing a party for him? Probably use whatever nickname he used, his derogatory nickname for his younger son, not young, the younger brother. I'm not going to repeat the ones that I've used, okay, over time, okay. But these, these things, he, like he, he's, that's what he's thinking in his mind. You threw a party for him? After what he did, what did he long for? What, what, do, you, what do you think his expectation of the father was at this point? Throw, maybe throw a party for me, or at least tell him off. Right? He had it coming. He had it coming. We long for, at times, there's a part of us that longs for a God of justice and only justice. But, friends, this is where Christianity ends up being different than really every other faith on the planet. So it's important that we understand this. So whether you believe in karma or whether you, uh, and, and you know, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, and there's some plenty of faiths that karma is part of the concept. Karma sounds kind of nice because at least it always makes sense or you're more Islamic or Jewish, and your status with God depends on your faithfulness to the commands of God, or your Mormon friends, here's the list of things you need to do if you want to have good status with God. Don't blow it. We love this idea of a God who gives us exactly what we deserve. Or at least we think we do. Until we realize that none of us deserve much at all. And Christianity is absolutely unique in its teaching about who God really is. So the older brother expects his younger brother to get told off. He's waiting for it. He wants it. And he is ticked. 
He is ticked that the father is throwing a party. He's so ticked that he won't go in. So what does the father do? Keep reading. He goes out. And what does the father do? He goes out and then there's a word. He starts with the P. He pleads. Thanks for having your Bible open. He pleads with him. Does a Middle Eastern father ever plead? No. He doesn't run. He doesn't plead. Here's, here's, here's one of the kickers for us. Eyes up. He's the same father to both brothers. The same father to both brothers. Younger brother's trying to find his meaning and his purpose through, through pursuing pleasure. The older brother, he's, trying to, he's trying, to, trying to assert his identity and his meaning, his purpose through self-righteousness. Watch for this on Instagram, by the way. You got some, look how much fun I'm having. The other one is, look how good I am. Everybody, look how good I am. I'm not here to make fun of anyone with that. This is just part of human nature. I actually think that the core of this parable isn't so much that you've got like people who are like the younger brother and people who are like the older brother, though I think there are, we have tendencies each way. I think, I think all of us have both brothers living inside of us. And there's times we want to find our identity through pursuing pleasure apart from God, because where was the party all along? It was back home. And others, we try to find our self-identity through self-righteousness. I want to feel so good about myself. How do you think God feels about you? Well, I, 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 think, I think, you know, he's, as he thinks, I, I, I'm better than my neighbors. That's all I know. So I, I'm probably, probably doing okay. I'm a good, I, who, how does God feel? I'm a good person. Why are you a good person? Because I'm better than him. Because that, that makes me a good person. Because he's kind of a loser. So I'm better than that. I'm, I'm way better than Hitler. So awesome. So, you know, like, oh, how are you? How does, so, but we look to find and establish our self-identity through our own righteousness. And the older brother expresses some resentment that, that the father hasn't thrown him a party yet. And if, if you imagine the scene in the story, now, Jesus doesn't go into all the details, so we have to kind of use our imagination, so maybe I'm off on this in the way that Jesus intended, but here, here's the younger brother is standing out, or the older brother, rather, is standing outside the house. The party's going on inside the house. The father comes out to plead with him, and now he's telling the father off. He's telling the father off. Which would be so culturally inappropriate like, I am so angry with you, Dad. I'm going to embarrass you in front of all your staff. I'm going to embarrass you in front of the entire household. I'm going to embarrass you in front of any of the guests you, invo you involved in the party. I don't care what kind of a scene I make. I'm going to, I want you to know how angry I am. Can we put the last couple of uh, verses up on the screen? Because I just want to make sure we hear this. I want to make sure we really hear this. Verse 29. Next, next slide, thanks. My son, my son. This, 
The NIV translates it really well, but the thing we need to know in this is, is even in, in the Greek, that my, 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 te, my teton, my, this is a term of endearment, my child, my dear one. So he's just, the son is just publicly embarrassing his father. He's telling them off. And how does the father respond to the older brother? It's also with compassion and kindness. It's the same. I need you to hear this, friends. He's the same father to both sons. And both sons are lost. Or at least they have been. My, my son, my dear son, my child, you are always with me and say that with, let's say that together. Everything I have is yours. If you've got your Bibles, underline that. You think, you think there's no party for you here. It was yours all along. You're asking for recognition and it's here and it's been yours all along. Everything I have is yours. You don't even need to ask for it. It's already yours. You're upset about not getting a goat for a, to, 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 to have, a, have, a, have a small party with your bros? It was here all along. Nobody locked the fridge, man. Nobody hid the car keys. It's yours. In fact, it's always been yours. It's always been yours. But we had to celebrate. Because this brother of yours, this brother of yours, was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost. Now he's Found. Friends, if we're going to understand the heart of God as followers of Jesus, we need to get really good at throwing parties. To celebrate God's grace, His mercy. We do serve a God of justice. But his justice is equally matched by his grace. So I want to ask you one more time. Um, and maybe play along if you would um, for a moment. Just close your eyes. I won't make you do anything weird. Just want you to think for a sec. When you picture God, because we all have metaphors for him, well, I'll have ways of picturing God. And it's appropriate. How do you think God feels about you?
to the angry judge. Scolding school teacher. Maybe the, the cop trying to write you a ticket because you were speeding. What if that mental picture, the one that you see in your mind right now, what if that was more like the compassionate father? The one who ran to the son, who had blown it and knew it, and the one who was pleading with the son, who was self-righteous and angry and bitter. He's the same father to both sons. What if that mental picture could shift? One of the hardest things for us as Christians is to really understand grace. That God just loves you. just loves you. Now you can open your eyes if you like. But I hope you'll keep coming back to that, that idea. Like, who is God? And how do you imagine God? Not just as this concept, because we all kind of know the right answer. We're in church. We sort of know the right answer, but like, on, the, on your own personal, emotional level. How do you think God feels about you? And my prayer today, like I said at the beginning of the message, is that by the Holy Spirit, he would start to heal. Heal our metaphors. Heal our mental pictures of who God is. Because while God is all of those things that the Old Testament teaches... He's the good shepherd. He's the rock. He's the fortress. He's the pillar of fire. He's all of those things. Jesus said, when you pray, pray, our Father. It's the dominant metaphor. That's why we refer to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because Jesus said so. God is our Father. God is your Father. What would it be like if, as a church, we actually were, like, we grounded ourselves in grace? I hope we are. I love our slogan. Love like Jesus. What if God looks at the world around us through those kinds of eyes of compassion. That the God that we pray to is the God who runs to the rebel and pleads with the self-righteous. Come on into the party. It's funny in the story how the servants are already in the party. The younger son is in the party and the only question is, will the older son join the party. And Jesus is talking to the, to the Pharisees 
who are all, all in a knot about you know, the, the sinners and the tax collectors that Jesus has been hanging out with. And he tells a story, and they know it's about him. And I believe for us today, if, if you've been hanging out in church for a while, and you, you kind of got your lives cleaned up, that's awesome, because time with Jesus does that. I believe the question to the older son is one of the questions that the Spirit is asking us today, do you want to join the party? Do you want to join the party? The same father that ran to the younger son is the same father that's pleading with you and me and us. Come to the party. Come on in. My love is for you too. Don't become bitter at my kindness because my kindness is for you too.